I'm Dave Rubin, this is the Rubin Report. Direct message, yes, I am back in studio today, April 8th, 2021, 17 years, four months, three weeks, and six days since two weeks to flatten the curve. It's very good to be with you guys. We are doing an Ask Me Anything Q&A directly from the Rubin Report community at rubinreport.locals.com. We got a gajillion questions there all over the map. I'm gonna get to as many as possible. As always, don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell. And as many of you guys know, I was in New York City for a couple days uh, and well, the greater New York area. I was only in New York City for one day. I'll get to that in one of the questions. It's a very, very scary place and you should run as far away from that place as possible. Uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. But I did the debut of the Greg Gutfeld show. He moved from just Saturday nights to five nights a week, 11 p.m. on Fox News where he's doing his panel show. It's an hour long situation. Uh, they crushed it, absolutely crushed it on night one. Uh, almost two million viewers, which is fantastic, obviously, for cable news at that hour. And uh, I think he's gonna take out. I, I'm saying it right now. I think by the end of the year, his ratings will be better than all of the network hosts, whoever, you know, there's Colbert and there's the guy in blackface and the other guy and the other one. And they're all pretty terrible. I think Gutfeld, is gonna, is gonna knock it out of the park. I'm gonna try to get to New York about once a month to, to do that. Okay, before we get to anything though, we're gonna do one story, uh, which is about Biden's executive action on guns, which he just announced, and it's sort of a perfect story because I've been referencing this clip from the debates when Kamala and him got into it about executive actions on guns, and I think you're gonna see why poor Joe has, is just over his head at the moment. Before we do that though, guys, I wanna to talk to you about Hartford Gold. You know, I spend a lot of time talking about cancel culture and how the left tries to silence people and the issues that they don't wanna hear about. Well, here's something we can't cancel no matter how hard we close our eyes or plug our ears. The Biden administration is spending excessively while killing energy jobs and dragging down or dragging out lockdowns. This can be catastrophic for the American dollar, which is why it's smart to invest in things that are real with intrinsic value, which is why I'm encouraging you guys to invest in gold. I recommend you speak to my friends over at American Hartford Gold. They sell physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA plus. They make it easy and with a A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients, I know you will come to trust them too. When you call today, they'll give you up to $1,500 worth of free silver with your first order. So now's a great time to check them out. Call 866-219-9311. That's 866-219-9311. Or text Ruben to 65532. Don't wait, secure your financial future with gold. And now back to me. Okay, so you may have seen it already. It's breaking at the moment. All hell's breaking loose on the, uh, the twitter.com over there. Uh, Joe Biden uh, gave a little talk this morning, read off the prompter, fairly well for old Joe, uh, basically doing an executive action move on guns, which we kind of all saw coming. Now I'm gonna play a clip. We're gonna show you a little bit from the, from the uh, chat that he gave at the chat, whatever the hell it is, the oration, the speech, the pre-written thing that he gave at the White House today. We'll do that in just a second. But over the last six months or so, I have many, many times referenced this very specific clip that we're gonna show you right now, where Joe Biden 
and Kamala Harris get into it during one of the debates. Now, you may remember, she did run for president. She got out very early and was polling at zero and then became the vice president. It's quite extraordinary. Um, but Biden tries to defend the Constitution as Kamala tries to trample it. And I think you'll see why we're playing this right now. Take a look. You did bring up assault weapons here, and many of you on this stage have talked about executive orders. Senator Harris, you have said that you would take executive action on guns within your first 100 days, including right. banning imports of AR-15 assault weapons. That's right. President Obama, after Sandy Hook, more than 23 executive actions, and yet here we all are today. In recent days, former Vice President Biden has said about executive orders, some really talented people are seeking the nomination. They said, I'm going to issue an executive order, Biden saying there's no constitutional authority to issue that executive order when they say I'm going to eliminate assault weapons, saying you can't do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can, many things you can't. <laughs> Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, Instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. <laughs> let's be constitutional. We got a constitution. And yes, we can. Man, that clip almost sums up everything you need to know about this story going forward. There is old Joe, who actually seems sharper than he seems right now, saying you cannot do everything on guns via executive action, right? We have separation of powers, okay? You can't do it as long as the Constitution means something. I don't think they really believe in the Constitution at this point, but I think you get the point. But there's Kamala Harris saying, can't, with her evil, that evil cackling laugh, and she sounds a little bit like a stoner at the end of the night. <laughs> Joe, can't we say yes, we can? <laughs> so you see it, that, that's a real fundamental difference. Now Joe, unfortunately for Joe, is in the wrong room in the wrong year uh, discussing the wrong thing because I don't think anyone in that audience nor his base nor clearly the, the woke progressives, they care about the Constitution. I don't think they care. So what Kamala's evil cackling diatribe really is about is kind of where the energy is, which is it doesn't matter what the Constitution says, we're gonna do what we want. Can't we just say yes, we can? It doesn't really matter because who's gonna stand up for the Constitution? Joe, who at his best or at his peak before whatever's going on with him, understood that you can't do all those things. Okay, so I've referenced that clip many times because I always thought somehow it was gonna bubble back into, into the present. So now let's just show you a short clip of Joe Biden today. Most people don't know it. You walk into a store and you buy a gun, you have a background check. But you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want and no background check. Okay, so that is a lie. We'll get to the specifics on that. I'm gonna actually use facts and numbers in just a second to show you why that is a lie. Uh, that there is a gun show loophole, but it is not anything near what Joe is implying, that you can just walk into a gun show and get a gun. Just not true. We'll get to it in a moment, but let's just get a, a little bit more on the specifics of all of this. This is from the Daily Wire. President Joe Biden announced on Wednesday evening the administration's new far-left executive order aimed at cracking down on the Second Amendment and the hiring of a new director of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms who comes from an anti Second Amendment group, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They're having a good time over there. Uh, the, the Hill went on to say, the Department of Justice will issue a series of proposed rules aimed at restricting the proliferation of so-called ghost guns, encouraging states to adopt red flag laws and tightening loopholes around certain modified pistols. 
And we've got a quote from a senior Biden administration official when speaking to reporters, the president will not wait for Congress to act before the administration takes our own steps solely within the administration's authority and the second amendment to save lives. I mean, that statement is sort of meaningless because you really can't. And, and the thing is, you can't because of the separation of powers and you can't use executive actions to override uh, our constitutionally granted rights that are guaranteed to us in the Bill of Rights, except you can do it if no one stops it. And I think that's really what the progressive movement is all about. It's like, yes, we have separation of powers, we have a Bill of Rights, we have a constitution, we have laws, but let's just run through all those things because who's gonna stop us? By the way, ghost guns, sort of interesting. I, I had not heard of ghost guns, but it did remind me of this. There it is, the, uh, the ectoplasma gun or something like that, uh, which of course, you know, Ghostbusters, if you haven't seen their original Ghostbusters in a while, if you wanna see the greatest libertarian movie of all time, who turns out, spoiler alert, who turns out to be the bad guy in Ghostbusters? It's not the ghosts, it's that douchebag from the EPA who comes down there and he shuts off the containment unit, which then releases the ghosts out there. So he's basically AOC, telling private business what they can and can't do. Uh, and now let's explain a little bit about the gun show loophole, because Joe just said, you heard the quote, he said that you can walk into a gun show and get a gun without a background check. Well, this is from ThoughtCo. The gun show loophole refers to the fact that most states do not require background checks for firearms sold or traded at gun shows by private individuals. Federal law requires background checks on guns sold by federally licensed dealers. The ATF now estimates that as many as 75% of the weapons sold at gun shows are sold by licensed dealers. Okay, so there is a difference. I don't wanna get too lost in the minutia here, but there is a fundamental difference between licensed dealers selling guns at gun shows, which it's about 75% of the guns sold are, versus private people with their usual roughly small collection selling to other private people, okay? That is what this is about. Now, we can have a debate whether that should be allowed, but what Joe Biden just said there, I would say that's what we would call a gish gallop. He just lied over it, right? Like he could have told the truth there. He could have said, you know, there is this interesting loophole where federally you can't do it if you're a licensed uh, seller, but you know, if you're a private collector selling to another private collector, blah, 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 but of course he's not gonna do that and the media won't, won't acknowledge it, right? They're not even going to acknowledge it. They're just gonna repeat what Biden is saying, thus the lie just proliferates and, and gets out there. And of course that reminded me, you know, as I did this with my hands, it really reminded me uh, of uh, Jordan Peterson because as you guys know, I was on tour with Jordan Peterson for about a year and a half and he often would talk about Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a political prisoner and dissident in Russia. Uh, he was also a philosopher and an author and wrote the Gulag Archipelago, Ar Archipelago and many other uh, things. Um, he won a Nobel Prize in literature actually. Uh, but I found this quote, it's been going around Twitter and I've been using it all the time and I just think that maybe you guys should know this quote too, so maybe even wanna screenshot this. The quote is, we know they are lying, they know they are lying, they know that we know they are lying. We know that they know we know they are lying and still they continue to lie. I think that is a, sor a sort of perfect summation of kind of where we're at at the moment, whether it's 60 minutes lying about Ron DeSantis, we showed you that clip a couple days ago, or whether it's Joe Biden lying about the gun show loophole and no background checks, or, or whether it's the Washington Post lying about Donald Trump's call 
uh, with the Attorney General uh, or the Secretary of State of Georgia, whatever it is, they lie. They know that we know. We know that they know that we know. It's this endless, awful thing, and we've got to fight through it. So uh, hopefully we will. All right, I want to get to the Q&A here. We got a whole bunch of great questions, uh, but real quick, guys, I want to talk to you about Gabby Insurance. You know, when it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? I think so. I put my policy to test and turn to Gabby. They literally stand for get a better insurance. Getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same insurance coverage. Who knew something like this even existed? They are the one true comparison platform with real rates. They give you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with over 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers, all in one place. Use your current insurance information to get started and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have and it's free to use. It's fast and easy and Gabby can show you if you've been overpaying. When I did it, I discovered great deals as well as new insurance companies and was quickly able to compare the top five rates by seeing them listed in order, which made navigating through the plan super easy. Gabby customers save $961 per year on average. They'll never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. Put your policy to test like I did. Get a better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check out and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash Ruben. That's G-A-B-I.com slash Ruben. G-A-B-I.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, I will try to be brief to get to as many as possible. If it's possible, we shall see. Zionist says, will you be boycotting United Airlines, Delta Airlines, Coca-Cola, and other companies that go woke? What do you think all conservatives should do, in effect? Uh, well, look, I think everyone can vote with the dollar, right? You can vote with your vote, and you can vote with your dollar. Uh, by the way, people, there seems to be some confusion as to whether boycotting something is cancel culture. I mean, if you decide, okay, Coca-Cola or Delta or whatever it might be, some giant corporation is, is putting ideas out there that you don't like, that don't sort of jive with your worldview. If you boycott them, if you choose not to give them your money, that is not cancel culture. Cancel culture is when a mob, basically cancel culture is when a mob, usually of amorphous anonymous people try to destroy an individual and get them fired. The beauty of the free market is you can decide, right? It's, it's one of the few things that we can do as individual people. You can decide where you want to put your hard-earned dollars. So I have really been trying, I'm really, really trying to spend more money at local businesses and not give all the money to Amazon. I'm not even saying that Amazon did anything specifically bad. I'm trying to do certain things like that. Like Coca-Cola, guess what guys? Like you really shouldn't be drinking Coca-Cola anyway. Now I'm probably gonna get murdered. Like that's like the most dangerous thing that you could say. There's something like, can you get me the, the numbers on this? How many teaspoons or tablespoons of sugar are in a can of Coke? It's something like 21. Like try to imagine what that would be like. This is not a can of Coke, this is Spindrift. They don't sponsor me, but I do love the flavor of Spindrift. But in one of these, what is this, 12 ounces? Yeah, 12 ounce can, 39 grams of sugar in a 12 ounce can of Coke. Like you should not be having that much Coke. And by the way, if you get Diet Coke, then you're getting aspartame and it's like, it's not a natural compound. Anyway, I don't wanna get into all that, but the point is, the point is yes, you should do the best that you can. So like, look, if these airlines are gonna, are gonna you know, say, okay, we're getting out of Atlanta or we're getting out of Georgia because of this racist voting law, which isn't racist and is actually much less racist than places like Colorado where they're moving the all-star game to or places like Delaware where Joe Biden is from, well then it's, it's up to you. So I think that's the best 
That's the best thing you can do. And, and really alongside that, I would say parallel to that, build new things, build new things. That's what I did with locals. It's working, I hope it continues to work. And does that mean that ultimately conservatives or whatever this wide swath of non-woke people are, it's like, do we have to build our own airlines and railroads and technology companies and all of those things? It's quite possible. I think that actually might be the best thing we can do because the things that they build will crumble. They will crumble because they're not gonna hire the right people. Uh, do you think that the riots, this is ham-handed, do you think that the riots will cause more damage if Chauvin is found innocent or if he's found guilty? This is obviously the police officer who's on trial right now uh, for killing George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, well, look, if he's found innocent or, or even not guilty of some of the charges, all hell's gonna break loose. And, and I would suspect even if he's found guilty on everything, all hell will still break loose. Like that's, it's baked in. It's baked in that these people think they can use violence. So if he's found innocent on anything, if he gets off on one of the charges, then pretty much we know violence coming. If he's found guilty on everything, well, you would think that they have no excuse for violence, but they love violence and the media loves propagating that violence, right? The media loves talking about that violence and blaming other people for that violence. There's always an excuse. If you believe that political violence is valid, if you think that you can use violence for political ends, then of course you will always find a reason to do so. And the media will cheer them on and there will be democratic leaders blaming the evil racist patriarchy that is America and everything else. So violence is coming one way or another. You know, one of the things, I discussed this, I was on uh, Newsmax a couple weeks ago with Harvard Law professor Alan Dershowitz. One of the things that he brought up is that Keith Ellison, who is the attorney general, uh, who's really, I mean, he's a really, really far left, like out there guy. He's the attorney general of Minnesota and he included third degree murder charges in the, the case here. Third degree murder charges usually are something like when you shoot into a crowd and just kill somebody. So it's like he probably won't be found guilty on third degree murder charges. So they overcharged in a way, right? It's not that third degree is worse than first degree, but they overcharged, they added extra charges. And it's, it's sort of like, well, maybe did Ellison do that knowing he's really not guilty of third degree murder? Um, and Google what third degree murder is, but he put the charge in there because he kind of wants the violence. I mean, I do think it's a sad reality. I honestly do think the Democrats and the media want the violence. Vince says, what are your thoughts on Steven Crowder and his whole situation? His YouTube channel has been demonetized, uh, demonetized indefinitely. Yeah, I've been tracking this a little bit and talking to my guys at The Blaze about what's going on there. I mean, look, the sad truth is, look, I, I love being on YouTube. It is incredible that quite literally millions of people have found me through this and I've become successful and get to do what I wanna do and build businesses all through the pipes of YouTube. That is all wonderful. But you know, any of us that create anything, but it's not just if you create things, if you, if you consume things on YouTube and you think you're okay, you're not, these are giant companies that can decide at any moment to shut anyone down, to demonetize anyone, to blacklist anyone, to algorithmically suppress anyone, all of those things. I mean, this is exactly why I started Locals.com and I hope that you guys have already created an account at Locals, rubenreport.locals.com. You can create a free account to see pretty much everything and then if you wanna interact with it, you have to pay a couple bucks. I believe that actually having a little skin in the game does make things better. Uh, as, for, as for Crowder, look, 
I like Crowder a lot. I think he's a funny guy. I think that he's he's fighting the fight on their terms. Is he a little over the top sometimes? Does he do some stuff that is a little tasteless sometimes? Sure, but the job of a comedian is to find that line and get as close to it as you can. And you know what? Occasionally, you're gonna it's gonna get a little messy. You're gonna trip over it. Speaking of stand-up, by the way, we just booked it. We'll make the full announcement in a couple days, but I will be doing, I think, five stand-up gigs in Florida in June. Uh, Coop says, it seems like the movement to remove Cuomo from office is dying down and now he's pushing vaccine passports, taking away more freedoms of New Yorkers. What mechanisms can we use to hold elected officials accountable when the press doesn't? I mean, this is a tough one. So first off, I agree with your premise there that it does look like he's gonna get away with this. It's gonna, it looks like he is gonna get away with putting all of those elderly people back in the nursing homes. And if you didn't see my interview with Janice Dean, whose in-laws both died once they put those people back in, I highly recommend. We put it up last week. Janice is just wonderful. She's fighting. And I suspect that if he was impeached or had to step down, that she would actually run for governor. I'm I'm sort of putting words in her mouth. I think that maybe she would do it though. Um, But it does seem that as the states are kind of opening up right now, or as the conversation has shifted to vaccine passports, it does seem like he's gonna, you know, walk scot-free on that. Uh, There are more and more accusations of, you know, sexual impropriety and harassment and that kind of stuff. Again, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I don't believe you're guilty until you're proven guilty. That's not the, the set of rules that they use. They use the believe all women. That's what he wanted people to believe when it was not him being accused, right? Um, but I would say as far as those things, it's like, it's gotta be proven. You, got, you gotta have some evidence, it's gotta be proven, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think what he did in terms of the, the nursing homes is far, far worse than that, but it does sort of seem like he's gonna get away. But as far as holding them to account, I mean, the best thing I suppose you can do is make your voice heard. It's like the little micro thing that you can do and and in your circles, tell your friends and family, hey, you know, this guy did do this. And if they don't see it, if if they're blue-pilled, right, they're blueing on people and they only watch CNN and the New York Times and they don't really know what's going on there, you you know, try to show them maybe one of my videos, try to show them something from Shapiro or Prager or or Glenn Beck or that scary Crowder guy and go, you know, there is another story here. That's really the best. I mean, I always bring things down to the local and individual level. That's that's the best way we can do it. Uh, got one more ad for you guys and then we're gonna get to all the rest of the questions. Uh, you know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo aren't really free. You pay with your privacy and since those companies have access to every email you send and receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. Have I talked about this before? Uh, from business plans to medical records, companies can sell your personal data to target you with intrusive ads and open you up to identity theft and phishing attacks. That's why Startmail wants to secure your email and make you feel safe again. Startmail keeps your email private, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell your personal info ever. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in Dragnet operations. With Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it's gone forever, and Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler. Startmail is also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. This feature protects your main email address from spam and phishing attacks. So when you're giving your email to a company but wanna protect your identity, Startmail can generate a shareable alias email so people can't sell your information and they can be deleted any time. Check out Startmail, guys. Uh, by the way, you know we did three ads in this one because I didn't do shows earlier in the week. I try to keep them to two to be respectful of your time, so that's a little 
public announcement for you. Yukon says that, do you think they will make a Marvel villain based on you as they did Jordan Peterson? If so, which would you wanna be? All right, so if you don't know what Yukon is referencing here, so Captain America, the comic book, they let Tanisi Coates, who's a, a woke social justice warrior, apparently they let him write the most recent uh, issue of uh, the, the Captain America comic book, and he takes, God, it's so, it's so, it's so like cataclysmically stupid. It's, it's just beyond information. What's the bad guy's name? What's his name? Uh, Red Skull, Red Skull. He's got a Red Skull. They take Red Skull, who's like the main bad guy, kind of Nazi guy from the uh, Captain America comic books. I think he was in uh, some of the Avengers Endgame and that kind of thing as well. Um, they take him and they basically make him Jordan Peterson. And, and you know he has 10 rules instead of 12 rules and all this stuff. Now Jordan is doing a spectacular job on Twitter right now where he's just flipping this and like just making fun of it in like the best possible sense. I just posted an image on Twitter of me and Jordan on tour together. We swapped out Jordan's head for, uh, for Red Skull there. Uh, but in essence, this is what they are doing. These comic books have gone woke and you know you can't actually be for America and somehow cleaning your room and personal responsibility is now what the bad guy wants. I mean, it's so bananas, it's ridiculous. But your question was, if they make a villain, a Marvel villain based on me as they did Jordan Peterson, who would you want it to be? I had to think about this for a little bit um, and I think the answer is Venom. I think it would be Venom because if you saw the Venom movie or if you know anything about the original comic books, right out of the, out of the screen right here, you can't quite see it, but I've got Spider-Man 300 and a couple of my other comic books right there. I was a big, I was a big Spider-Man guy. That was my main comic book back in the day. Uh, but Venom, you know, Venom was this sort of, he was a decent guy. There was the guy Venom. What's Venom's real name? The, the guy himself. Brock, was it Eddie Brock? I think it might be Eddie Brock. Google Venom real name. I think it was Eddie Brock. This guy, and he was just a regular guy, and then the symbiote you know, comes from the other planet, gets on him, and he's constantly fighting it. So he's always walking around like doing, he's trying to do his thing, and the next thing you know, Venom's like, kill them all, and then get them, murder everybody. And I sort of think that's a little bit of what I have to deal with during the day. Like, that's a little bit of what Twitter is like. Like, I'm trying to give you guys information in a decent, you know, sensible manner, and then something happens, and I'm like, destroy them all. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of something like that, and it's a constant balance between being a sane person and being taken over by the evil alien symbiote. I think you all understand that. Yes, I got it right, his name was Eddie Brock. Okay, uh, oh, by the way guys, uh, sign up. I start mail, I skipped over something there. Uh, you can sign up today and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash Ruben, that's S-T-A-R-T mail.com slash Ruben for 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash Ruben, sorry about that. Uh, Anya says, how can people become braver I feel like I'm surrounded by a sea of cowards. Man, I mean, this is, this is like the toughest one that there is. It really is. Um, well, first off, you know, I did a, a PragerU video that we released, I believe the same day that Don't Burn This Book came out. I think it was April 28th of, of last year. And the whole purpose of the five minute video is that there is a bravery deficit. And I really believe this. And I think it's become more and more obvious. You know, when I wrote the book, ironically, I wrote the book a year and a half or so before the book actually came out. The publishing world is just super slow. But I think the things that I was talking about, the defense of liberalism in the face of this woke onslaught, and that there's nobody coming to save us. I think that's probably really what you're asking here, Anya. Like, how can I become braver? The only way you can do it is by starting to speak up. It doesn't mean you have to walk into 
you know, the, your place of business, wherever you work and start screaming everything or, or email blasting everyone, all your thoughts or fighting with everybody on Facebook. But in your little way, whatever that is, whether it's with your husband or wife or kids or siblings or friends or local community, if you can just in that regard, stand up a little bit more for what you think is right. You know, one of the things that the wokesters are doing, they yell real loud and they send anonymous, you know, Twitter mobs and all of that stuff. But I really believe that they're a paper tiger. And if more people would just stand up, I don't think I am somehow uniquely brave or even uniquely special in any way. For some reason, I went down this path and now I tell people what I think. And obviously people find value in that. But I'm fairly certain that if more people stood up and then there was less value in what I'm doing and people stopped watching, I'd be okay. It would mean we were winning. It would mean that the, the world was restoring back to something decent and good and that would be an absolute pleasure and I will retire. I don't play golf, but maybe I would take it up. Uh, Ross, so just, it's just, just do it in your own life. I know it, it sounds cliche almost or, or trite, but like just whatever you can do, whatever you can do, occasion, you know what? Try it this way. Post, post this clip on your Facebook page, see what happens. And if people start yelling, well, you're talking to Ruben and he's a right-wing nutbag or he's a racist or whatever, well, is he racist? Point out to me where he was racist. Is he a right-wing nutbag? Point out to me. And just try to have the conversation. They're, they're preying on the fact that they can cow you into silence. And the more that you acquiesce, the more air you give them to take you out. It's as simple as that. Uh, Ross says, how do you explain to an average Joe that mainstream media isn't truthful? It's sort of an extension of that last question. I mean, look, we saw what happened with 60 Minutes this week, an absolute hatchet job. But if you don't then watch stuff that's say here on YouTube or the clips on Twitter, uh, you know, the clip that we played a day or two ago was from Daily Caller. They did a great job. They took the 60 Minutes clip and then they took the full extended answer that Ron DeSantis gave. But that's not gonna be seen on CNN. That's not gonna be explained in a, in a think piece in the New York Times. So it makes it very difficult. That's that whole war on truth and, and reality war thing I'm always talking about, right? It makes it harder and harder because your friends are going, wait a minute, I saw this thing on 60 Minutes. And they said that Ron DeSantis was pay for play to get people vaccinated or he's a bad man. And then you could say to them, but, but Publix issued a statement saying that that didn't happen. And even one of the Democrats in Florida is admitting that that didn't happen. And Ron DeSantis explained the whole thing and none of it happened. And they're going, but I saw it on 60 Minutes. And so this is a huge, that chasm, like that spot between what they're telling us, what's true, and then this space in between, man, that is tough to get people there. I would say just, it's sort of my answer from the previous one, but you gotta keep posting clips of things. Post short clips, and by the way, if your friends, if your friends and family defriend you or say mean things to you or whatever it is because you posted something that you thought was interesting or insightful or maybe somewhat agreed with, maybe not even fully agreed with, if, if that's their response to you, then I guarantee you, you probably need better friends and I also guarantee you that you will get better friends. Trust me, I lost a lot of friends in the, in the scheme of these last couple of years, right? A lot of people turned on me, public people turned on me, private people turned on me, I've still got some stuff that I'm, that I'm working through with some people, but you will feel better. You will feel better by being yourself. Like, do you wanna live on your knees forever? Like, it really is that simple. Like, do you wanna live on your knees as the water is rising? The water's gonna get you quicker. You're gonna drown a little bit quicker. Or would you dare stand up on your own two feet and see what happens? So 
keep pushing out as much truth as you can. I mean, I guess that's a, a very Jordan Peterson of me, but that's it. Uh, Lacey says, if President Trump had proclaimed fuck cancer throughout his presidency, do you think everyone with Trump derangement syndrome would now have some weird affection for cancer? Kind of, yes. There's a huge amount of people who decided for the course of basically five years, the four years of the presidency and probably the year before, and even to some degree what's happened post, that all of their views are just completely 180 opposite of whatever Trump did. So when Trump had kid, you know, kids in cages, which was an Obama era thing in the first place, it was evil and it was concentration camps and all of those worst things. That's AOC, of course. And now that Biden has it and they're actually way more packed and it's significantly worse now, she's kind of quiet about it. And no, we don't, we're not so sure about those things. Yeah, so at some level, it's like you take the worst, you know, like the worst sort of thing out there, cancer. If Trump had, well, let's do it this way, since we're talking a lot about vaccines and things of that nature. If Trump had said three years ago, we found a vaccine for cancer, and if everybody uh, you know, gets vaccinated with this thing, we're, we're not gonna have cancer anymore. Try to imagine what the media would have said. Let, let's assume it was true for a moment, that they actually cured cancer under the Trump administration, and the FDA said, we did it, orange man, you know, got, a little, got rid of a little regulation, we were able to do it, we solved cancer. And then they said, okay, so everybody can get vaccinated now. And actually you have to get vaccinated because uh, you, know, you could get cancer in the future, which is sort of what's happening right now with COVID, right, and vaccines. Um, I am fairly certain that half the media, well, probably, excuse me, oh, oh, I thought I was gonna sneeze in the midst of that, that was kind of funny. Um, I am fairly certain that most of the media uh, would have said that Trump's trying to kill people and this hasn't been tested enough and blah, 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 blah. Sort of like a year ago right now when Trump was saying that we're gonna have a vaccine within a year and everybody was saying he's evil and we shouldn't have to take his vaccine and even Kamala Harris was like, I don't trust his vaccine and Andrew Cuomo implied that too. So yeah, you, you need to know what you stand for, not just what you stand against. And I think unfortunately so much of our politics is, oh, I don't like that guy, so I believe in this. But you gotta have some principles that stand the test of time. Uh, Candace says, how is New York more or less crazy than LA? I'm glad you asked this, Candace. So as I said, I was in New York for a couple days for Gutfeld and then I finally saw my folks, which was wonderful. I haven't seen them this whole time. I got to see my brother and sister-in-law and the kids. It was fantastic. I beat my 11-year-old nephew in NBA 2K. That's right, I still got some skills. It was very impressive. I used the uh, 90-91 Trailblazers. He used the like 89 Lakers and I won by four. It was Phenomenal, Drexler had like 35 and eight assists. Anywho, uh, New York City itself, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic or sarcastic or over the top here. It, it was legit kind of scary. So, you know, because the Gutfeld people took care of me, I was staying with my brother, then a car picked me up, brought, dropped me off right in Midtown at the Fox, uh, Fox News Studios. And, um, you know, it was probably about 5.30 or so, so it was getting a little bit dark. Now, first off, it really felt like a ghost town. There were very few people on the streets. New normally, what would be happening at 5.30 or six o'clock, New York City, Midtown, thousands and thousands of people, right? The, the hustle, the bustle, the cars honking, people running out into the street, jaywalking, almost getting hit, people crashing into each other, people yelling, music, the guys selling shawarma on the side, all of that stuff, love it or hate it, the whole gestalt of New York City, right? And by the way, I lived in New York City, I think most of you probably know this, but I lived in New York for most of my adult life for about 18 years or so, um, from a little before 9-11, just till I moved till to, to LA. I love New York City, absolutely love New York City. And over the course of now over 100 years, there have been at times dozens of family members of mine in New York City. We've got one left. 
I've got one cousin left on the, on the Upper West, as far as I know she's still there, uh, because people are fleeing. My sister and her husband and kids got out of there during lockdowns, Every, everyone's just getting out. I had another cousin who just left. Anyway, it felt very eerie because not only was it not the hustle and bustle and tons of people, but one thing, this, this may seem sort of odd, but one thing that I noticed that pretty much everybody that was walking around was walking around solo. So you're used to seeing people in groups, people talking, laughing, but everyone is walking solo and everyone's got a mask. Also, so everyone looks kind of shady. There are barricades all over the place, police looking around, like it just, it didn't, it felt like a shell of itself. That's the best way I could describe it. It felt kind of dystopian, like what would a dystopian city look like? Ironically, later that night, me and my brother and my nephew watched I Am Legend. And if you haven't seen I Am Legend or you haven't seen it in a couple of years, you know what I Am Legend is basically about? They try to cure cancer, right? It starts with this doctor curing cancer and then it turns out that that vaccine ends up turning everybody into zombies and then basically decimating New York City and it becomes a ghost town. And I was like, ah, this is a little, little too on the money right now to be watching, although it really is a great movie. Uh, but yeah, New York City did not, did not feel right. It did not feel right. And uh, you know, regardless of your feelings about masks and vaccines and everything else, um, the, the breakdown of just humans doing things that we took for granted just a year ago is, uh, is really catastrophic. And I think we're gonna be living with this stuff for a long time. Tyler says, who would win in a fight? A surge of immigrant children or AOC armed with three swords? Interesting question, an important question. Who would win in a fight? A surge of immigrant children or AOC armed with three swords? I assume immigrant children. And she would have to just let them go. She would have to impale herself because if they wanna come in, you know, we've caused all the problems. That's what AOC said. It's our imperialism and climate change and all of the things that we have done because we're very, very evil here in the United States. And despite our evilness, everyone still wants to come here. But she would have to Harry carry herself. She'd have to impale herself on her own sword, her all three swords, and the children would have to just waltz in. That, that would be it. It would be as simple as that, really. Uh, all right, guys, we got to a bunch. Uh, oh, check out parts one and two of my interview with Samuel Rodriguez. This is a really interesting interview that I did. So he is a pastor at a church here in California who also has worked with, I believe, three administrations. I believe he worked with the George W. Bush administration, worked with the Obama administration, worked on the Trump administration related to immigration. He had some really, really interesting things to say, particularly on how Donald Trump was desperately, desperately trying to make a deal on immigration, on a pathway to citizenship and everything else, and how the Democrats just basically were like, hey, we're just not gonna give him a win, even though he's given us everything we want. Really, really interesting interview. We also talk, obviously, a lot about, a lot about faith and uh, you know, just the struggles. It's a little bit like the, the panel we did last Friday uh, on faith that I did with Bishop Barron and Rabbi Wolpe, just about how people are looking for answers right now. And the more that truth seems to be destroyed by, by rampant secularism and our, our media that's just evil at this point, that people are looking for, uh, to other places for truth and they're finding it actually, maybe in some of that old time-tested stuff. So parts one, of, one and two with Samuel Rodriguez are up on the YouTube. And of course you can watch the full thing absolutely ad-free at Ruben Report. .locals.com. I have roughly 5,000 meetings today and a few other uh, TV hits and other things of that nature. So I got a busy day ahead of me. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, and next time, if you want to play along, get your questions in, rubenreport.locals.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. 
And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.